0: Your talents for the Lord, and uh, you know, your pastor was talking about being long-winded. I guess does he have that reputation around here? Amen. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I was at one church one time. Guys up preaching. Pretty soon, as people started going, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. You know, so uh, had 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 a buddy, old Earl Hughes. He was an old mountain preacher, and. He'd get to preach, and he'd go for a while. He'd say, I'm just looking for a place to land this thing. He'd preach a little while longer. And he'd say, I'm just looking for a place to land this thing. And he'd preach for a little while longer. he so, I'm just looking for a place to land this thing. And someone in the back said, just crash it. You know, just... <laughs> but anyway, it is a joy to be here. We'll try not to keep you long. We tried it one other time. It didn't work. We're going to try it again this morning. No, we, we won't be long. And uh, it is a joy to be here. Happy anniversary to the church. 65 years, that's a blessing of getting the gospel message out. And I pray you just keep faithful at it till the Lord comes back. Let's do that, y'all to? Let's just go ahead and finish this thing and finish right and just keep on sticking by the stuff. And uh, somebody said, you ever tempted to quit or ever tempted to compromise and things of that nature? You know, I always think, what if I change and the Lord comes back in 10 minutes? And for all eternity, I have to live with that thing that I couldn't even... So I think I think we'll just stick by the stuff. What do you say? Let's just let's finish. Let's finish right. And I appreciate that singing and all. I remember the day I come to know Christ. I, I wasn't brought up in church, and I never owned a Bible growing up. And um, my wife and I got married at a young age. I was like eight. She was six. And you you can do that in Arkansas, you know. And uh, somebody said, "Where'd you meet your your wife?" And I said, "I met her on the internet, ancestry.com," and. Uh, I saw we had so much in common, why not, you know, and, um, we were going to get divorced once, but neither one of us wanted custody of the kids, and so, uh, you know, you heard those couples stay together for the children, that was us, and, uh, I'd said that one time, and a lady rebuked me after church and said, they're not kids, they're children, kids are goats. I said, have you met my kids, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, but the Lord's, Lord's blessed us, and, uh, uh, we, we we were separated uh, uh, after two years of marriage. Had a little girl, and during that time, my wife got made a profession. I, I went to watch her get baptized. I drove from Muskogee, Oklahoma, to Danvers, Illinois, to watch her get baptized. And um, I was thrown in jail in Missouri on the way there. That's where I first met your pastor. And, uh, <laughs> no, I'm teasing. But uh, I, I come in the back doors. So it's obvious I wasn't a church goer. They made me feel so welcome. You know, they didn't look at me like, what are you doing here? I mean, they they honestly made me feel welcome, like they really were glad I was there. And uh, and when the preaching started, I didn't feel comfortable, but I did feel welcome. And in that service, God got a hold of my heart. And I felt like if I walked out the back doors, I was going to step into hell. And really, I don't remember how I come to the altar. I just know I had to get there. I don't know if I ran. I don't know if I walked. I don't know if I climbed over pews. I don't know if I pushed people out of the way. I just knew that's what I needed, and, and come down and trusted Christ. My wife was a third-generation Mormon. My father-in-law's here with me as well. He and his wife had got saved shortly before we did, and began praying for us. And um, in that service, I knelt down, and asked the Lord to save me, and He did. Amen. And you talk about a burden lifted. I was so happy. I kissed my mother-in-law, and uh, <laughs> we know that's not normal. And uh, uh, and things. And then God worked on our heart about putting our marriage back together again. And um, my mother in law gave me a little New Testament, first portion of Scripture ever owned in my life. Couldn't get enough of it. And then uh, we come to the altar and say, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a daddy. You know, you have to help me. And that next June, my wife gave me the greatest gift any man could ever have any tool, the greatest tool to fix any problem within his home. She gave me my first whole Bible. And um, and then that he would allow us to be in the ministry, I still can't get over that. I just I just can't can't believe it. You know, I, I know a lot of people talk about quitting every Monday. Not me. Every Monday, I'm saying, God, please don't fire me. I know you ought to, but I'm liking this. This is a good life. You know, please let me keep doing this. And and He's been a good God. He is a good God, and God's blessed us with six children now. And um, uh, there's they're scattered around. Uh, We got a daughter in Oklahoma, her and her husband, and all of them are faithful in church. I got a son that started a church in North Liberty, Iowa, and I got a son that pastors in Florence, Alabama, and a son in law that started a church in Eureka, Illinois, and a daughter and her husband that are faithful bus workers and uh, children's church workers at a church in Arkansas. Then our youngest son was on staff with us, the last place that I I pastored. I was a missionary to the Yankees for several years up there in (laughs) Illinois and uh and things but god's been so good to us he is a good god Amen. and some days we recognize it more than others but he's always good no matter what you face in life he's uh far too good to ever be unkind and he's far too wise to ever make a mistake Amen. and he knows what he's doing. He's a good god isn't He. Amen. but we appreciate being here and especially since we've only known each other for an hour and 37 minutes something like that two hours now. two hours now two hours now that was his um, uh, his uh, disclaimer in case things didn't go well. I really didn't know this guy, you know, <laughs> and had a friend of a friend that said maybe, and, you know, I took a shot, and so that's his disclaimer ahead of time. But anyway, it is a joy to be here, always a joy to be in God's house with, with God's people and uh, to sing praises to Him and then get in the book, and I've enjoyed so much the, the music and all today and, And just the fellowship, thank you for the good room and uh, the privilege of being here as well. Matthew chapter 5 this morning, Matthew chapter number 5, I want to take a look at a portion of Scripture here and what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter number 5, and we've had the privilege of being to Israel several times. It's amazing when you go to some of these places and then you visualize where He was and uh, one one man put it this way. He said, uh, "Before you read the Bible, before going to Israel, said you read the Bible in black and white, and once you go there, you read it in color." And I guess that's the best way to describe it because you can kind of visualize and see things and put it together. it's just a just a blessing. I remember first trip over there as we were going across the Sea of Galilee. I just stood there and wept, thinking, "You know, this this nobody from nowhere." You know, on the Sea of Galilee, and uh, Brother Ken Graham, dear friend of mine, was with me on trip and. He said, Well, that water looks calm, doesn't it? I said, sure does. He says, Looks like you could walk right across there, doesn't it? I said, sure does. He said, You want to try it? I said, You go first. And uh, because <laughs> I know how it's gonna work with me. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, what what a what a privilege to be here this morning. Thank you for the invitation. Matthew chapter five, beginning verse number thirty eight. When you find it, if you would, if you're able to stand with us as we read the scripture, opportunity to stretch before the three hour message. <laughs> and uh <laughs> hey, you laugh now. Two and a half hours from now, you won't be laughing. No, I'm teasing him. There is a meal after this, right? Maybe. Maybe. Let's just dismiss in prayer then. And, and uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 38. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee a mile, go with him twain. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege we have to be in this place this morning. Dear God, we mean that from the depth of our soul. What a blessing to be gathered in your house with your people. Thank you for the Sunday school hour. Thank you, dear God, for the songs that we've heard, the fellowship we've enjoyed, and The instruments that have been played, and God, just been a good morning. Thank you for it. And now as we get into your word this morning, we pray, please, Holy Spirit of God, would you be our teacher and our preacher? Father, we pray we might sense your warm breath upon our soul this morning. And God, we don't ask that you help us to preach the message, but dear God, might the message preach us today? Might the truth of this thing grip our hearts? And Father, we pray this might be a life-changing morning for somebody. I know what this portion of scripture did to my heart on that day when you spoke to me, and God, I just pray you do it again. Meet with us today; we'll certainly give you the praise for all that you do. But we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. you can be seated. The date was September 11th, 2001, and a lot of us remember where we were on that day. It, it amazes me; probably several of these girls from the college may not even been born during that time, 18 years ago. Hard to believe it's been that long ago. Many of us remember where we were when we got the word that the American Airlines Flight 11 had hit the North Tower of the World Trade Center. I was in the church office. My wife had called me and said, you're not going to believe what has just happened. And I remember walking over to the house and we turned on the news and I, we watched and we kind of stood there in unbelief as we saw the United Airlines Flight 175 then strike the South Tower. And right then we realized that this is not an accident. We're under attack. In less than two hours, both 110-story complexes crashed to the ground. We then had heard of the American Airlines Flight 77 that had crashed into the Pentagon where the Department of Defense is headquartered there in Arlington County, Virginia. Then we heard a report of United Airlines Flight 93 being brought down near Shanksville, Pennsylvania by some brave individuals aboard that flight. The day claimed the lives of almost 3,000 souls. It was the deadliest incident in U.S. history for firefighters and law enforcement personnel. There were 72 law enforcement personnel that lost their lives and 343 firefighters lost their lives on that day. I remember as our president made the statement, we're going to find who's responsible and make them accountable. And then as the days began to follow and the weeks begin to follow, I'd watched as many... A nationally known reference would get on television and they'd make statements like an eye for an eye will make the whole world blind. And they'd refer to this verse about turning the other cheek when somebody does something to you and almost put a cross like that we ought to do nothing when our country was attacked. Now I know they're using Bible verses and I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I want to do things biblically and I want to do them scripturally and I want Christ to be pleased with my action and all things. But I know, I, I'm also an American. And there was something about that when they would almost portray that we ought not do anything. It's part of that, that that as an American thought, you know, that just doesn't seem right to sit by and do nothing when our country has been attacked in that fashion. And so it, it led me to a study in the Word of God. And we, we went to Matthew chapter 5, begin to look at these verses that they were, were quoting, that they were using as they would say this and about turning the other cheek and things of that matter and going the second mile and, and, uh, and all of this. And in these verses, you know, the magistrate law had stated an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And nowhere in this portion of Scripture did Jesus refute the magistrate law. But the Jews were taking this law that was put in effect for the judicial system to put in force. And they were using this law as a justifiable means to seek revenge against individuals that had done things to them personally. Jesus didn't refute the magistrate law. He simply said, I say unto thee that you resist not evil. Which means to set yourselves against an evil person or it's not up to you to stop that. That's the judicial system ought to take it in their hands. It's it's not up to you to put a stop to that individually when somebody does something like that to you. It doesn't mean that we're to stand by and see our families murdered. If someone breaks into our home, we certainly have the right to protect ourselves. We have the right to protect our families. and But revenge should always be left to the judicial system. And listen, it's an attack on the country. A matter of fact, it led me to a, to a study here. As I, and as I got the Word of God, I found there were three different types of attacks that can take place. There's the attack on the Christian, and that's when somebody does something to you individually. And really, that's what this portion of Scripture is referring to. The good thing about our King James Bible is even the personal pronouns are there on purpose. I mean, every personal pronoun that starts with the letter T, thee, thou, thine, thyself, means he's talking to you personally. Every personal pronoun starts with the letter Y, ye, yours, yours. means he's talking to a group of people. When he said to Nicodemus, marvel not that I said unto thee, you personally, ye, everybody, must be born again. And so he takes his portion of scripture. He says, whosoever smite thee on thy right cheek. Uh, he, he begins to talk about somebody doing something to you personally. And as a Christian, if someone is to do something personally, I'm, that's where I'm to strive to turn the other cheek. Matter of fact, the Bible said in Romans 12, 18, if it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I'm going to be honest. There's some days there's more lies within me than other days. That's why I started by saying if it be possible. There's some days it's just, I don't know that it's possible. In fact, I had somebody one time do it, so I said, dear brother, you know, the Scripture tells me, if it be possible, as much lies within you, live peaceably with all men. And 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 I'm just going to be honest, there's not a lot lying within me today. I'm not sure it's possible. So if I were you, I'd wait to do this tomorrow. I'm just not sure of the outcome today. But we're to strive, if someone does something just personally, to turn the other cheek. When they reviled Jesus, he opened not his mouth. There's a second kind of attack, and that's an attack on your companions or your friends or those you love. In Exodus chapter 22, in verse 2 and 3, it says, If a thief be found breaking up, he be smitten that he died, there no, should be no blood shed for him. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him, for he should make full restitution. Here's what it he says, if somebody breaks into my house, and, and I protected my family, I slay him, there's no blood should be shed for me. However, he says, if the sun be risen, in other words, I get up in the morning, I realize somebody's been in my house and done things, and I seek revenge and go after him. He said, there shall be bloodshed because he should make full restitution. At that point, it's up to the judicial system to come into effect. In other words, I have the right to defend those that I love, but not the right to retaliate. Uh, Jesus, uh, one day he's making a whip. I can imagine disciples say, where are you going? I'm just getting ready for church. Wouldn't that be an exciting service? Somebody said, you ought to preach more like Jesus. I'm not sure you'd like it. You know? And he went and he found those that were taking advantage of the poor people. And he turned over the tables and he took the whip and he drove them out. Now, when they attacked him, he reviled him. He opened not his mouth. When they're doing something those he loved, you have the right to defend them, but not the right to retaliate. If uh that you can come and try to do what you want to me and I'll do my best when it's possible and I've got anything lying in me. I'll do my best to live peaceably. I'll do my best to turn the other cheek. But if you start in on my wife, I don't have to turn my other cheek anymore. I have the right to defend my family but not the right to retaliate. I remember I first got saved. I told you I wasn't brought up in church. didn't know the Bible and my mother-in-law gave me that little testament. I come across that verse that said, mark them that cause division. And I thought, how do you mark somebody? And I, you know, I, 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 you know, black eye. I'm thinking, that's a pretty good mark. I mean that, you, that, that marks them pretty good. And uh, so I decided, well, somebody talks about my pastor, I guess the best thing to do is just mark them right right there. And, uh, and said somebody said, well, "I thought you Christians are pacifists. We are Talk about my preacher, I'll pacifist right through your face. I mean, you're not going to do that. So when it comes to those we love, our companions, we have the right to defend them, but not the right to retaliate. There's a third kind of attack. That's an attack on the country. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 2 and 3, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid to wait for him the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and that'll destroy all that they have. When the of Israel first come out of Egypt, the Amalekites had ambushed them. As a matter of fact, that's the first mention of Joshua. He led that battle below. That's that's the that's the account where Moses. You remember, is on the mountaintop, and as long as his hands were up, they're winning the battle. When they get weary and go down, the Amalekites would win the battle. And two men come up and help hold up the hands of the man of God, Aaron on one side and her on the other side. My son-in-law preached a message one time. We need more men like her. And uh, but holding up the hands of of the man of God and and uh, the Amalekite. Now now later it's saying I remember what Amalek did. How they ambushed. Now go and and smite Amalek to destroy all that. So if it's an attack on the country, we have a right not only to defend ourselves, but as a country, we have a right to retaliate against those that have attacked the country. So finding those responsible was biblical, and it was. You know what I found? This Bible will shed a lot of light on them commentaries. It really will. But uh, so they were out of line. So the best thing to do is keep everything in its contact. Now, that's what brought about the message I'm about to bring. So I begin to look at these portions of scripture and, 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 these that we look at, you know, Jesus talked about the fact, if someone does something to us personally, hey, ye, all of you have heard have been said, an eye for an eye, two for a tooth, but I say unto you, to all of you, that all of you resist not evil, don't take matters in your own hands. And then it gets personal, if any man shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn him to the other also. If any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Who shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. He's not talking about somebody doing something to you, personally. I begin to watch this. As a matter of fact, we, we've looked at these. He says, don't seek revenge. If they smite you on the right cheek, turn the other. They sue you at law take away your coat. Let him have your cloak as well. Who suffers compelled to go a mile, go with him twain. And this has often been referred to as second mile Christianity. How many have ever heard that? Going to the second mile for Jesus. matter of fact, there have been thousands of messages preached on going the second mile for Jesus and be a second mile Christians. I preach several messages on that realm. Let's be a second mile Christian and uh, we stand before the church and man we need some people to go the second mile for Jesus and we talk about the home and so you know we need some couples to go the second mile to make your marriage work. We'll talk about raising children. We need some parents to be second mile parents and go that second mile and raising your children. Matter of fact if I was to ask your pastor I won't but if I was to ask him pastor what if every Every member of your church would determine today they're going to be a second mile Christian for church. the oh, past Most pastors will say, wow, if every member would go the second mile, man that would thrill my heart. That would bless me to no end. And uh, if I was to say to every husband here, what if your wife decided she's going to be a second mile wife for you? Well, the husbands would say, man, that would be great. If I would say to the wives, what if, what if your husband determined, I'm going to be a second mile husband to my wife. Most wives would say, man, that would be a good thing out of the parents the here with children would say boy I'm going to be a second mile parent when it comes to raising my children and pointing them to Christ and we've heard a lot of messages on you know the second mile and patience and the second mile and love the second mile in your time the second mile in your efforts to make things work and uh, we preach over and over we need some second mile Christians but when I was reading this on that particular study I noticed something about these verses I begin to think, you know, if someone were to put my eye out uh, or, or knock out a tooth, I know someone would come up with a stick and say, Brother Gibson, I'd just like to poke your eye out of the socket in your head. <clears throat> or someone would come up and say, oh, I just want to knock a tooth out of your mouth. Now, we moved to Arkansas before they let me be a resident. I had to go to the dentist, get three teeth pulled uh, before I could actually <laughs> be a resident. I did lose a tooth one time. I've got two brothers that are retired police officers from Muskogee, Oklahoma. and I was right, every, every time I ride with them, there's some kind of gunfire that takes place. And I, I don't know whether it's always that way in Muskogee or whether they just take me to areas where it's that way or they call some of these guys ahead of time and say, hey, my brother, he's a preacher. He's going to be with us. Could you all act up a little bit today? Or, I, I don't know. But it always happens. I was with them one time and a fight broke out and I broke my front tooth.